What's up, everybody? This is Jeff Staple of The Business of Hype. As you guys know, we often open up our mailbox and answer questions from reader mail, uh, questions from all over the place. And uh, what I try to do is actually group these questions together so that they share a common theme. And one of the themes that I kept sort of seeing popping up was um, the question of financial advisement, uh, how to manage their money properly, how to handle taxes, all these different questions. And so what I decided to do was bring in a special guest for this segment uh, who can help answer these questions for us. Uh, in the studio today, we have the honor of Mr. Lang Lee. Hello, Lang. How you doing? Welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff, for having me here. Yeah, of course. So, Lang, uh, introduce yourself. Tell us uh, who you are, what you do. I would say I'm a financial advisor, as you said, uh, somebody who... Uh, coaches people on their financial well-being and financial balance, um, you know, helping with uh, various and areas of their financial life. Great. It's great for you to be on the show because, um, you know, I think this show deals with a lot of um, entrepreneurs, right? People who start their own businesses are starting to make um, money, starting to spend money and like just having to deal with a lot of different financial issues, which is why the show was born, why the business of hype was born. Um, and, you know, interestingly enough, it's not just what you would think of financial guys, corporate types that need financial advisement, right? It's not just them. It's actually more so of anything, creatives, you know, that need it because creatives tend to be so good at creating and making art that sometimes, and I'm speaking on my own behalf too, sometimes we kind of suck at the financial organization side, right? Um, so we need it a lot, but obviously, you know, Lang works with a lot of um, the stereotypical financial corporate executive types that you would think of that need financial advisement. But um, some of my friends who are some of the most respected artists that I know, a lot of the people that I've spoken to in the past in the financial sector are very difficult to understand, quite honestly. Like we speak a different language. So what is it about you that you like to tend to work with creatives? Um, I think you guys are uh, a lot of fun to work with. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, it's a pleasure because you know, most of the creative people who are my clients have become my friends. And I think the difference uh, I feel that I've actually heard uh, from them working with me, the difference and the advantages are that it's been a very uh, personal uh, journey. And um, they tell me things that, they don't tell anybody else, um, and right. and that's just the nature of the work that I do, right? Yeah. Um, and it's it's the, I think part of the difference is that it's a very comprehensive and uh, holistic planning. Um, I don't just you know sit there and say give me all your money and let me manage it, right? It's uh, it's it's planning in the sense that you know we're looking at all areas of your life. We're talking about assets, your liabilities, your cash flow protecting you. So I think mm -hmm. it's um, it's all those things that I think my clients appreciate. Yeah. It's it's oftentimes like even like a therapy session because money is obviously very important in life in general and it ends up even though it's a financial thing, it ends up affecting your husband, your wife, your kids, your college, your home, your parents, your grandparents, right? Like mm -hmm. these are all very even, but then the other on the other side, it affects your choice in wine, where you go to vacation, how many shoes you decide to buy this year. All of these things are tied into the financial situation. So you have to know of your clients that like, 
okay, buying X number of sneakers a month is very important to this person, noted. Whereas this other person, he's got five kids that he needs to put into college. That's a whole different story. So it's, it's great that you're able to sort of juggle all these different you know, situations. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's about, it's about balance, mm-hmm. right? And uh, looking at all the different parts and they all need to, to fit together somehow, right? And it's, it's, to me, I've always kind of said it's uh, as much a, a science as an art, Right, that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, to your point is like you have to customize it to that person's and tailor it to that person's uh, life and lifestyle, right? Yeah. So I'm not the guy that's going to say, well, you can't do X, Y, and Z, and you know you're 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 spending too much on this. To me, if you're saving enough and you're if you're saving and investing mm-hmm. properly, then uh, the excess, well, you, you can do, you can enjoy your life. Yeah. So let's uh, let's go to the mailbag, and uh, let's let's answer some of these questions. Great, be All happy right. to. So. Uh, because of the nature of these questions, I'm, I'm obviously going to keep these anonymous. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think it's safer that way. So, okay, mm-hmm. let's go to the first question. Okay. Uh, Lang, where do you start when you help someone achieve financial independence? A great question. I think um, to achieve financial independence and, and make great uh, decisions, I think it's very important to start with financial organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to me... Uh, since since all the areas of your financial life are interconnected, like like we just spoke with, uh, about, it's very difficult to make smart financial decisions unless you look at everything holistically and comprehensively. Yeah. Before we get too deep into it, for those like who are just starting out, what is financial independence? What does that mean to you? To me, that's. Uh, to me, that's it's it's a term that's used. It's a great question. To mm-hmm. me, is is a term that's used so often that yeah. we don't sometimes stop to think about what it means. But if you ask me, what it, what it means to me, I think it's um, that you feel that you are you don't have to rely on anybody else, maybe, mm-hmm. uh, and that you have a sense of uh, uh, security. You have a you have a sense of uh, that. You know, you, you can be independent. Yeah. Um, and you feel free. Like, you feel free, yeah. and and that um, and sometimes it's work is optional. You know, it's if you're really if you're really independent, yeah, then work could be optional. Right. Right. Yeah. And, I think the interesting thing about financial independence is it's not like a number. Mm-hmm. It's not like if you hit this number, you are financially independent mm-hmm. because it depends on your lifestyle and mm-hmm. what's going on in your life. Right. Someone who has. Mm-hmm. 10 kids versus no kids has different financial independence levels. So it's, it's more of like a philosophical thing versus a mathematical thing, isn't it? Yeah, I, th- I think it could be both. You know, like the, the thing going back to science and art, I think mm-hmm. it's, uh, we use a lot of math around this, but to your point, uh, it's, it's, it's different people are going to feel independent and secure differently than and measure it differently than other people right like if you if you have dinner bills that needs to be x x amount Mm -hmm. you're going to have a different sense of independence financial independence than somebody else who cooks every night for themselves exactly yeah (laughs) i'm trying to get there all right um so going back to this now um what are the main categories that you try to organize into yeah, I think there are four main uh, domains or categories, and those are, to me, those are assets, liabilities, uh, cash flow, and, and protection. And we, we have a platform called the Living Balance Sheet that we use for uh, for doing this okay. and organizing and you know looking at these categories. And and the client, not only you, the advisor, but the client can also tap into that. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and that's when you asked earlier about one of the what are the benefits in working with me, looking at everything holistically and comprehensively using this living, living balance sheet site mm-hmm. where not only me as the advisor but the client um, and the person that I'm, you know, helping achieve financial independence, they're going to be able to log into this site and uh, see all the work that we've been doing together and uh, really be in the driver's seat and then be able to modify and fine tune these things. Right. Okay, so for the beginner out there, you just mentioned um, four main categories. I think you said assets, liabilities, cash flow, and protection. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I want to know just you know in case, just a level set what the definition of all those things are. So let's start with an asset. What do you mean by when you say assets? Assets are what you own. Um, do you want to you want me to give some examples of those? Yeah. So, for example, assets are, uh, say, retirement accounts, uh, savings accounts, mm-hmm. uh, real estate, uh, art, artwork, mm-hmm. and uh, sneakers designed by famous uh, designer, perhaps. <laughs> really? Sneakers are an asset? Oh, anything that you own is okay. an asset. You know, right. and Watches, everything. Yeah, anything, okay. anything of monetary value, cool. uh, that's an asset. So, if you uh, correct me if I'm wrong, if you were to add up everything... The home that you live in, your checking account, your savings mm-hmm. account, your retirement account, your sneakers value, your watches value, right? And add up everything in your life. That is your total asset. That's all the. That's your total asset mm-hmm. amount. Yep. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. Mm-hmm. Now, that's all good and gravy to have all these assets, but you have to spend, and you know, there's money coming in, but there's also money going out the door. So I assume that's what liabilities are, right? So what is, you define it for us? What is a liability? So liabilities are, to me, what the, the stuff, not the stuff you own, which, which were assets, it's the stuff that you owe. So, for example, a liability would be a mortgage. Mm-hmm. Uh, say you have a house that's worth a million and um, you owe the bank uh, $600,000 of uh, mortgage. Mm-hmm. That $600,000 is, uh, is a line item on the liability section. Right. Uh, and credit card debt, mm-hmm. for example, if you owe you know, Chase... Ten grand, uh, that ten grand shows up as a liability on, mm-hmm. on that part of the living balance sheet. Mm-hmm. Uh, student loans, also, for example. Of course. So it's a great it's a great analogy here, where it's like you know we were talking about owning a home as an asset, owning artwork and sneakers as an asset. Mm-hmm. But if you have a mortgage, then that's the liability side. If you have a credit card bill outstanding because you bought all these sneakers, mm-hmm. that's a liability as well. Okay, so we've got asset, we've got liability. The next one was cash flow. Yes, yep. cash flow. And let me just clarify, a lot of people talk about net worth, um, you know, what you're worth, your net worth, right? Yep. And uh, that's simply assets minus liabilities. So okay. total assets minus total liabilities. Equals um, your net worth. Yes. Okay, cool. So you know, using a clean example, if your asset, total assets is a million, but you owe 600000 in mortgage and all these other liabilities, your net worth is 400000 Great. Easy peasy. Yep. Cash flow. See, this isn't so hard, kids. Not yet, not yet. <laughs> all right, okay. So cash flow, let's go. Cash flow represents the, the, the ongoing monthly or yearly dollars flowing in and out. So you want me to give you some examples of that? Yeah. So for example, your income uh, you generate income every month or every year, right? Uh, well, both monthly and you know, add twelve months add up to your yearly income, uh, and uh, taxes that you pay. So, entrepreneurs you're typically paying quarterly taxes, mm-hmm. uh, 
uh, and living expenses, right. dinner bills, mm-hmm. uh, paying for nice sneakers, uh, rent, yeah, rent, um, annual savings, pet grooming, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> pets. Uh, we don't want to forget about that. That's yep. not sort but of that's like, an expense. Yeah. Yes, um, and annual savings. Uh, so it's very important to save a certain amount, and that's a cash flow, right? So you make a certain amount. You spend it. a certain amount. Yeah. You spend a certain amount and, um, and you save a certain amount. Mm-hmm. That's all the flows. Right? Okay. Those are all the flows. That's why we call it a cash flow. Okay, cool. Or the flow of cash. Okay. And again, going back up to the, to the sort of the top, what you do first is you assess and, and organize and analyze these things. So you've analyzed the assets, what you've got owned. You analyze the liabilities, what, you've, what you owe. And then the cash flow. How much are you making every month and how much are you spending every month, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and how those three categories are um, interconnected, right, and, or depend on each other, uh, you can imagine that annual savings is going into the assets every year. The mm-hmm. flow is going into the asset section. Mm-hmm. So the more you can save, the more assets that you have, yeah. which um, can get invested. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right? Uh, Taxes, you know, when you pay taxes for liabilities, uh, that's going not to you, but that's going to the government, mm-hmm. for example. Uh, cash flow for paying mortgage uh, or rent, that's yeah. going to a liability. Right. Okay. And then finally, the last definition or category is protection mm-hmm. that we want to define. Uh, protection seems like it makes common sense, but what do you mean when you say protection? You mean like uh, buying a gun and putting it in your house? No. <laughs> uh, financial, financial protection to me is, uh, it represents what keeps us safe from financial threats. So, for example, um, various forms of insurance policies, uh, your car insurance, your uh, health insurance, your disability insurance, your life insurance, and, and the wills and trusts, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, for estate planning, right. So, those are examples. If you, if you someone dies or someone mm-hmm. gets hurt and they can't work anymore, these are things that you're trying to protect against. Correct. Got yourself. Makes sense. Yes, yourself, uh, yourself, and and your family. You know? I know when I slam my finger in the car door and it's hard for me to mouse. The, the designs slow down tremendously. Right. right. <laughs> so that's an extreme example that that could be a disability, right? It's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that actually is a great segue into this next question that we have out of the mailbag. Mm-hmm. Um, why is protection so important to financial independence? Well, uh, protection is crucial, I think, because it, it helps, uh, helps to eliminate the threats which could take away everything you've worked for um, so far, that you've worked so far to build and are about to build, right? Mm-hmm. So, for example, the threats to us and our families are um, lawsuits, somebody sues us, uh, getting sick or hurt, um, or passing away, you know, if we pass away, then our family is not going to have the future income that we could have generated, that we would have generated. So these take these things, these threats um, can p- potentially take away our investments, our savings, our business values, and it could really put a stop to our ability to generate income. So, um, so we can protect ourselves by uh, and protect ourselves from these threats by having proper umbrella coverages for liability. Yeah. Um, Lawsuits, uh, the wills and trust to protect our family. Uh, I've uh, I've heard of um, I've heard of protection against like you know disabilities and, and mm-hmm. death, like wills and estate planning mm-hmm. and stuff. But explain protecting yourself against a lawsuit. That's interesting. Yeah. So let's say somebody sues you um, because uh, 
of something that they claim that you did wrong. Uh, the most common personal lawsuit I think occurs probably with car accidents. Yep. So if you're driving either here in New York or somewhere else uh, and there's a car accident, somebody sues you, um, your car insurance uh, will cover you up to a certain amount for liability because that other person who's suing you got hurt, you know, mm-hmm. or worse. Um, and uh, the liability, the umbrella policy, uh, it's supposed to uh, take care of that, that lawsuit, so uh, monetarily compensating somebody, right, for, uh, from, uh, from the results of a lawsuit. Right, so it's above and beyond your basic auto protection. Correct. It's like added insurance on top of that to protect Correct. yourself. Correct. Okay. Um, and I don't. I'm not supposed to really go into any specific products here, mm-hmm. but in general, that's uh, that's what it does. And this, this similar would be for uh, commercial or business liability, right? Umbrella policy for that. You mm-hmm. know, if you're in business and somebody sues you because of um, uh, they claim that uh, you know your, your business uh, caused them some harm financially. Mm-hmm. So you have personal liability protection and business liability protection. Gotcha. All right. So this one. Sounds pretty easy. What's the best investment out there these days? I think that's a that's a ten million dollar question. <laughs> yeah, well, this this one's kind of easy to me uh, for business owners or aspiring business owners, who I presume is the entire uh, most of the audience mm-hmm. here. Yeah, I believe the best potential investment is your own business. I think it better be right. That's that's where you've put the most um, uh, energy into. That's where you're probably going to put the most dollars and time or energy into, right? And I say the best potential investment because it's it's obviously depends on your individual circumstances. Of course, mm-hmm. you know some businesses might end up struggling, uh, where other businesses flourish through various um, economic cycles. Yeah. Said another way is a famous quote: "Bet on yourself." <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think that's another way to put it, right? Yeah. It's, uh, you know, in your own business, you, you, are, you are your business, right? Yeah. Uh, and and you, you, can in, you, know, you invest so much time into that, so mm-hmm. like, it's probably going to be the thing that works out because mm-hmm. you're just so passionate about it. Yeah, I mean, and, and people spend the most time and energy and dollars into the things that uh, they're most passionate about, right? Yeah. And you love what you do. Okay, so what do you tell um, clients when they ask you for investment advice that is outside of their own business? Well, that's, uh, that's going to be a long, long one. But I would, I would say uh, one of the things that, uh, that's super important at a, at a high level um, from a treetop level is that you don't want to put all your money or most of your money in one basket, right? No matter how much potential you think it has. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think you want to split your, your existing assets and also your yearly ongoing savings into three buckets. Um, And I think those three buckets should be high risk, Mm -hmm. uh, medium risk, and and low risk. Okay, so you should... You should hedge your bets on on three different areas, high, medium, and low, versus just saying, mm-hmm. I believe in this greatly, and I'm going to put it all down on this. Right, because if you, if you do that and put all your money in, or almost all your money in one basket, um, what if that uh, doesn't work out the way that you had hoped to, yeah. that you had hoped or expected, right? right? What if there's some economic downturn that causes that mm-hmm. to, to go down in a large way? Well, then you don't have other assets that you can pull from. Yeah, and I, I've heard many horror stories. This particularly happens with houses and, and real estate where I have $100,000, 
I'm going to spend $100,000 on a home. And it's like, well, I, I hope that home appreciates. But if it doesn't, or if, it, God forbid, something catastrophic happens, you have nothing left in the bank. Yeah, and it's a very, it's such a, it sounds like such a basic or simplistic principle or even common sense, but you'd be surprised how many uh, people don't, don't practice it or don't practice it well, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so it's, yeah. it's very important. I, I, okay. I can go into more details, which uh, be well, happy I have, to. Well, I have a follow-up question. Mm-hmm. Um, let's, can you list out some examples of what like high, medium, and low risk is? Like mm-hmm. is high risk like going to the... Uh, the casino and going to the high limit uh, poker table or you know <laughs> low risk is mattress like <laughs> explain to us some examples of each of these from your standpoint that's a great question uh, to me a uh, high risk uh, an example let me, let me give you examples of each right okay um high risk investments uh, and by the way high risk doesn't mean bad right it just mm-hmm. means a uh, potentially higher gains um or or larger losses mm-hmm. um so high risk could be for example stocks Okay, right. the stock market the stock is a market. high risk. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. absolutely. Medium risk uh, would be real estate, for example. Okay, and low risk would be savings, like savings in the bank, mm-hmm. um, or for example, savings inside your life insurance policy. Those right. are examples of savings. Got That's it. very low risk. Okay, so putting money in the bank is low risk. You get, but with the low risk at a bank, and if you guys have ever looked at a a savings account recently from your local bank, you'll see that the interest is dare I say diddly squat, but it pretty much is. It's like pennies, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's low risk. There's no risk involved, but it's low return. Correct. Right? Yeah. Whereas, uh, I mean, give me an example of a, of a killer stock in the last couple of years. Like, can you just name one off the top of your head? Like, what's a, a great return on a stock? <laughs> well, I appreciate you asking, but for legal and compliance reasons, I can't get into a specific stock. Okay. But uh, you can imagine, you know, for example, if a stock, any particular stock goes up uh, uh, 20%, right? Mm-hmm. The next year, what if it goes down 10, 20, or 35%? So that's yeah. an example of... Um, a roller coaster, yeah. Well, yeah, to me, it means uh, potential high, high risk or high reward right. and potentially uh, big downturns, right? Mm-hmm. So you mm-hmm. have to be, again, doesn't mean it's bad. It just means that you have to sort of have uh, diversity, uh, diversification. You mm-hmm. got to be prepared so that when the certain things don't go your way, you have things that are medium and low risk, like you said, that are more, of a, more stable. Got it. Okay. Good, yeah. I mean, you know, like you said, you gave a good example. Like, if you made twenty percent on this stock, sounds great. Mm-hmm. Much better than the uh, the savings account of like, what is it, point five percent? If you're lucky, <laughs> right? Like, well, these days, yeah, these days uh, you can get um, interest rates at um, a little bit higher than that. But your general uh, your general point is correct. You know, like savings are going to be. Uh, lower risk, but the returns are lower than some other potential investments. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's a reason for that, for the stability. Yeah. So that stock might look really great at 20%, but the next year it could be down 25 and you're now negative five, you know, so you got to really uh, hedge those bets properly. But you say diversify it high, medium, and, and low. Mm-hmm. Yep. Correct. That's good advice. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, let us uh, get another one. Hold on. Let's see. Okay, this is a good one. Which do you think is more important, annual savings or investment returns and why? So I think, let, let's explain both first. Annual savings versus, what, what are the two? 
so so annual savings uh, is how much how much of your income you can save and not spend. Okay. Right. So, for example, um, making up a simple example here, somebody makes a hundred thousand dollars a year, mm-hmm. and that person puts twenty thousand of that into their uh, savings account each year. So that would be an example of your annual savings. Okay. Uh, so in that in that example, that's twenty percent. Okay. Of your savings from your income, that's your annual savings. Okay. And then, how about investment returns? Right. So it, to me, the definition of investment returns is how much you gain or lose on your investments. Uh, so, for example, you start with an investment of a hundred thousand um, in, say, the stock market, mm-hmm. and in in one year, uh, that investment gains five thousand. Or it loses five thousand dollars. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now to back to the question, uh, which do you think is more important? I think I think this is a really this is a really great question. I think I think both are important, but I think uh, I actually think annual savings percentage is more important. And if you think about it, uh, which which do you have more control over? Right. You have. You ha- I think you have more control over your level of savings from your income uh, with habits such as. Uh, Discipline, structures, and structured and for savings, mm-hmm. and, and budgeting your living expenses. Right. So by increasing your level of savings um, and controlling some of these other things that you can control, like you're budgeting your living expenses, uh, by increasing your level of savings, you can uh, take less risk with your investments. Right. Okay. I have a follow-up question, mm-hmm. kind of to that, but also to the one previously. I mean, wh- why is it so important to you that? we have diversification in our savings and, and ongoing yearly savings from the income. Why do you think it's important to diversify that? Um, I, think it, I think it's so important to do that because you, you want to you wanna carve out a certain percentage of money in, in each bucket, right? Mm-hmm. So um, going back to that example, if, if we have a recession or if we have difficult years in your business, mm-hmm. right, for example, if you have a certain percentage and enough of a low risk bucket, say in your savings, yeah. um, you still have this bucket to draw from, right. even if everything else is down, right? Mm-hmm. So to, um, to live your life, to to, to pay your mortgage uh, for your family, yeah. Um, so that's it's so important to have that low risk. Uh, when it comes to medium risk. I think everyone likes to have, to me, real estate is a form of medium risk. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone likes to have some form of real estate that they own. So yeah. they have a nice home or home, apartment yeah. to live in. Yeah, And and, and I believe uh, medium risk, uh, real estate is a medium type of risk for reasons I can get into. But it's, you know, obviously medium, medium risk to me means not super high or super low. Mm-hmm. Fluctuations. Yeah, you hear wins, but you also hear losses. Like, yeah, yeah. and and, med- and real estate is a type of medium risk, I think, because it um, it's not going to probably go up by you know fifty percent a year or go mm-hmm. down by fifty percent a year, although mm-hmm. it can. Um, but to, in our experience, right, in in good stable um, uh, regions or geographic locations, uh, I think re- medium, real estate is a type of medium risk. And, and high risk is uh, high risk is interesting. It's again, high risk doesn't mean it's bad, but it's uh, it's like your growth bucket or dream bucket, right? Mm-hmm. Again, yeah, yeah. yeah, more more risk means uh, more potential gains or losses. So you don't want to have all your money in this bucket for obvious reasons we talked about, but you may want to have some, right? Uh, especially if it's going to have a you're willing to have a longer time horizon. Um, 
you know, being your growth bucket or dream bucket, you can you have that time horizon and can tolerate uh, more volatility because the time will allow it hopefully to uh, recover if there are losses. Yeah. Okay, does that make sense? Yeah. Let's uh, let's grab another one. Um, got another one for you, and this mm-hmm. one involves a topic that many people despise, causes <laughs> much headache for a lot of people, especially. Um, self-starting entrepreneurs who, who might not have a firm grasp on this topic, but mm-hmm. uh, this question involves taxes. Um, and there's that famous quote, what are the only two things that you're guaranteed in life? Death <laughs> and taxes. Um, so this question is, um, why is it important to have a tax strategy or is it important to have a tax strategy for the long term versus just planning for taxes this year? I think that's super important, Jeff. I think... Uh I think we often hear people talk about investment rate of return, right? Uh, but to me, what's even more important is your after-tax rate of return because that determines what goes into your pocket, right, after you pay taxes. It's great for, for you to get a, a great return on your investment, like using that example we did before. But if you have to pay a lot of money in taxes, you end up with actually less uh, that you that you can actually hold on to, mm. right, that you actually keep. So uh, I think for that reason, it's super important. And I think uh, to your point about, uh, or to the point of the uh, person asking this, whoever this question is from, taxes uh, uh, could be owed this year or or many years in the future, right? Mm -hmm. So some people may not even realize that on their investments or certain types of accounts that they're going to owe taxes on much of their investments uh, many years from now, right? So I think it's, I think it's very important, and we need to have uh, strategies and investments which protect us uh, from taxes both now and and in the distant future. Yeah, because the last thing you want is taxes to creep up on you and smack you in the face in the middle of the night. (laughs) Which, to for me myself and a lot of my friends who are creatives, it's it's happened. They they think they made a lot of money, and then all of a sudden, Uncle Sam starts calling, and then it becomes a very scary situation. Um, so great. Thank you, Lang, for, for coming on. Um, if people want to reach out to you, are, are you okay if I give out your information? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if you have a question about um, financial advising, any, anything of that nature, uh, Lang is here to help you out. Uh, his name is Lang Lee. Uh, his phone number is 808-695-2119. You can reach him via email. Lang.lee at westpacwealth.com. And I'll spell that out for you. L. I-A-N-G dot L-E-E at W-E-S-T-P-A-C-W-E-A-L-T-H dot com. That is Lang dot Lee at WestPacWealth.com. Again, Lang, thank you so much for coming in and, and gracing us idiots with your knowledge. Uh, I hope to have you back on soon. Thank you so much, Jeff, for having me here. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. Registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS. Securities, products, and advisory services offered through PAS. Member FINRA, SIPC. Financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. Westpac Wealth Partners, LLC, is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PASS or Guardian. California insurance license number 0850389. AR insurance license C number 16220273. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. For more information, please visit www.westpacwealth.com.